Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, you said that uh, last week that you were you weren't smart enough to uh, enjoy Maestro, but clearly you were right, and I was wrong when it came to that movie, Maestro, which I said was great, totally shut out of the Golden Glo- Golden Globes last night. Congratulations, well, you're a better movie mind than I am. I do not know that that makes me better. I just I, I think he did deserve some awards for cinematography or. Acting? Something. Because it was a cool movie, but I just, I don't know. I don't think it gelled for me. And Bradley Cooper gave a great performance. Mm-hmm. But I so enjoyed, and, and we bring this up because Adam and I both were watching yes. the Golden Globes last night. I do like award shows. I prefer the red carpet. I love red carpets. But the award show was, I thought, fantastic. I really enjoyed watching the really? Golden Globes. It, Mark said it was a very wholesome event. Every, all my kids and Mark and I watched together. We talked about the movies that we saw Wait throughout this year. Wait a the minute. The ones we want to see. Wholesome? These are the Hollywood yeah. elites. Wholesome? Well, we're, we're not getting wholesome from the Hollywood elites, the liberal Hollywood elites. No, I, I agree. It's, it's good. It's it good. good. It's mindless television. And yeah, we, it was exactly. It's good to have those things. Jen and I did the same thing. We watched it mm-hmm. last night. We mm-hmm. said, hey, Golden Globes tonight. Let's watch it. And yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, I like, I am totally glued in this year because I've seen a few of the movies in question Mm -hmm. and I I think there's some great, I thought Maestro was great. I saw Oppenheimer this weekend. I know it's been out for months, obviously, but hot take, it was really good. And I think deserving Mm -hmm. of all those awards too. I still want to get around to watching um, Killers of the Flower Moon and The Holdovers, which Tim Lammers uh, named his best film of 2023. Really? Also a great See, movie. See, I wouldn't go that far. Oh, really? I liked that movie a lot, too. I thought the others were better, but I thought it was a really good movie. But, yeah, so there are some great movies, and when you see them and you kind of get invested in it, yeah, the, the, the award shows are fun. Although, clearly, I mean, the Joy Joy. Jo- Coy, what, jo- Joy Co. Joy Co. I thought he was hilarious. Eh. Oh, you didn't like him? No, okay. I mean, well, he got the gig 10 days ago. Like, it's mm-hmm. like he got the job like 10 days ago, and he kept saying, well, if it's a bad joke, yeah, that's the one I wrote. my writers wrote that one, so it's not mine. It is, that, that's a thankless job. Yeah, that, you know, there have been very few people who pull off the hosting gig and do it well mm-hmm. like ricky gervais was there nobody's tops ricky gervais when it comes to the golden mm-hmm. Globes because he was so cutting but it's it's a thankless job as long as you're not like in the way you really it's you're fine so I, I but i also fine. thought and i'd be curious to know what other people thought if they watched the globes with us um i thought the room was a really hard room these people were taking themselves way, way too seriously. They were not laughing at his jokes, which were, you know, they were, I mean, it's not like they were great, but they were funny or cute. He mentioned Taylor Swift getting a lot of media attention, and, and he didn't mention her in a negative way. He just said, on this show tonight, we're going to have less, sh- fewer shots right. than they do at an NFL game. 
and she just blank stared at him yeah. and then took a sip of her champagne. She totally blew that joke off. And, you know, laugh a little. Yes, you get a lot of attention at games and at the Golden Globes. Like, smile. It was funny. It was more uncomfortable than he made a joke that people didn't laugh at. Like, they, they should have wanted the show to succeed. And you do that by being the community and laughing. I'm not saying laugh at bad jokes if they're not funny, but some of them were funny. Uh- they were safe too. He was totally safe. I mean, that's totally. That's it. You know, it's like that, and uh, and usually the Golden Globes is the one where it's a little looser. It's not as stuffy as the Academy Awards because they're boozed up, they're sitting at tables, they're having dinner, and usually it's a little looser at the Golden Globes. So yeah, it was a little, mm-hmm. a, little a tough crowd last night for him. Um, I push back that I, I just think the, the jokes weren't that funny, but you know, mm, okay. I also thought it was very, you mentioned safe. Yeah. I was expecting totally. some commentary. Totally. Whether it was on Ukraine or on um, Israel and Gaza or on, you know, the, the presidents of the, um, the Harvard and, and yeah. UPenn resigning, maybe a DEI comment. And by the, the way, election, we're going to talk about DEI later in the show. The election that's uh, coming up. Right. There was nothing. 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 Which, again, made it wholesome. And I didn't mind it being nothing. No, because it focused on the movies and there were good movies. But um, yeah, no soapboxes. I was nobody, a little surprised nobody, nobody, nobody got, used the yeah, platform. Nobody got up on soapboxes last night. I, unless I mm-hmm. just am missing one. But I didn't see any of it from anybody. So, yeah, you know, that's a lot of the reason that people tune out of those or don't watch them in the first place because they right. say they get too political. Well, that one was right. pretty safe. There was none of that last night. I w- and I love the fashion. I love watching the fashion. But I will say, the first winner, her name is, is it Davina? Divine. From the Holdovers? Divine. Divine. From the Holdovers. Um, she's a lovely woman, and she did a great job. She won, I believe, for Best Supporting Actress mm-hmm. in a Drama Series. She did a fantastic job in that movie, uh, which was a good movie. I recommend you watch it. But her stylist should be fired. <laughs> she was wearing What if she a dress. picked it out? She, she might have picked it out. Then she should have gotten some advice. Yeah. Because I was so anxious watching her in that dress the whole time that I don't think I heard the speech. Because we were about to have a wardrobe malfunction mm. at any moment. Adam even texted me. We both sat with bated breath <laughs> as we waited for one of her nipples to pop out of that dress. Speaking of holdovers, I mean, holy buckets. <laughs> I, it was... Yeah, that was uh was so close, friends. And that's part of the fun. So I of think I spotted movies? some areola at some point. Yeah. There I think I definitely spotted that. There must have been a lot of double-sided tape holding her into that thing, but I was not a choice I would have made. And it did obscure my listening to her speech because I could not stop staring at her boobs. I know that's not politically correct to say, but I could not stop staring. Uh, somebody was texted in about Kevin Costner being bad last night. I remember he gave... Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. He's kind of awkward yes. as it is, though. He's always been kind of awkward. I remember when they did the uh, Field of Dreams game uh, in Major yeah. League Baseball in Iowa. He was part of that broadcast. And it was he's just, he's just kind of an awkward guy. So I think that's just is who he is. But... Yeah, Real, he's just I guess he needs a script and direction because he I almost thought it was like a bit. He was super dry, yeah. was not interacting well with his co-presenter. And I thought, what is happening here? Or I, maybe that's just his personality. I haven't seen him a lot privately, but he was terrible. 
What'd you think? Six five one four six one nine two two six. Maybe you missed the. Uh, maybe you think it was too safe. I mean, maybe you, that's why you oh. tune into award shows to get a little controversy, get a little mm-hmm. fire, get a little speech. You know, even if, if it's mm-hmm. one you disagree with. Six five one four six one nine two two six. We'll also break down some of the winners last night too, which I think they pretty much got right. Uh, that's coming up as we continue with Adam and Jordana on a Monday. It's beautiful. Is I'm it actually thank you for that nice music. Uh, it has started to snow outside my window, and and David says that it's a weak sprinkling downtown. Very yeah, you getting light. a little snow? It's as good as light. we can get this year. I mean, this no, is it. We're right? not seeing. We won't see the sun. We know that. I mean, uh, right. we'll never see the sun again. I'm convinced of that. So that's not true. That's not true. Uh, back to the Golden Globes. There's a couple of other things I wanted to address with okay. you because Lay it on me. my girls saw Barbie without me, which mm-hmm. again I thought was sacrilege. I said I can't believe oh, you're seeing not a this good feminist move. movie without me, and they loved it. And they're like, "Mom, you got to see it. You got to see it." So I went, and I came out of it saying, "I didn't think it was so great. I didn't think yeah. Barbie was yep. super feminist. I didn't think it was empowering." I didn't really get it. Yeah. And I just was disappointed. I, yes, America Ferreira's speech was beautiful and wonderful. It's so hard being a woman. Absolutely fantastic. All of those great things. I loved that Barbies came in every shape, size, and color. Yeah. I, I loved all of those things. But again, I didn't think it was like a super girl power movie. And I didn't think the story was great. I thought it was a little dumb. And, and, and I didn't really understand the ending. Did they overthrow the patriarchy? Did Ken win? I, I didn't really get it. And I told my girls that, and they were upset yeah. uh, that I didn't like it. Maybe they, Again, maybe they must be smarter than me. But last night, I felt a little vindicated because Bar- Barbie won two, you know, two awards. Mm-hmm. But like, it wasn't a great movie, Adam. What did you think I agree. Barbie? Jen and I watched it, and okay. we were the same thing. It was like, yeah. wow, the message is kind of muddied. And mm-hmm. the only thing that I really uh, – I thought uh, Ryan Gosling was great as Ken. Agreed. Uh, but, yeah, it was like, well, what's the point of this? What exactly is the point here? But I, yeah, because I, I felt either. bad too, because my daughters loved it. Like my oldest, uh-huh. she was said it was very emotional for her, and and I did like the moment where the bus stop scene, where it's the older woman at the bus stop, if you remember when oh, Barbie, yes, that's mm-hmm. when my mm-hmm. daughter was talking about it. But it, and that was a very, but yeah, the overall, yeah, it was yeah, mm-hmm. kind of mad on it. But that other, the movie that beat it, that poor things, I haven't seen I mean, that. What yet. is that? It's what is it? It's a movie, and it's I, it I looks think very troubling. It's like a take on Frankenstein, I believe. Somehow, oh, really. So I don't know if she, Emma Stone, plays a woman who's like been created. I don't know, but hmm. uh, I've seen the the. It looks intriguing to me, and I guess I'll have to get okay. around to seeing that too, because obviously that beat out Barbie for best guy comedy movie. I guess that would be. Again, this is they split up comedy and drama, and right, which is a point of contention too, because it's like you want to see the. I mean, it's like picking children. If you look at the last season of Succession. And the second mm-hmm. season of The Bear, to me, they're like right there as both fantastic mm-hmm. television. And Succession mm-hmm. wins. They're in different categories. Somehow The Bear is in the comedy category. So, you mm-hmm. know, Ted Lasso is up and other comedies. And it goes to mm-hmm. The Bear, which uh, The Bear, I don't see it as a comedy. Uh, I, I don't either. No. And, and no. I think it would have given Succession a run for its money in the, in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the category of, uh, of drama because they were both fantastic series but yeah succession um that cleaned house too it was great i predicted we were pre- i was call- you know making the calls who's gonna win actually yes. I was, uh, 
patting myself on the back. Not that I have any evidence of it, but I was calling a lot of them. But I was surprised that um, our guy, uh, Roman, Roman uh, Roy, he won. won. Yeah. You, now, were you surprised? I was actually feeling like he deserved it. That is a really hard role to play. And he is so, so fantastic at creating that tension. Yeah. And that, that one is uncertainness. Like, you could make an argument there because I, uh, uh, I forget. Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall Roy, he was fantastic too. But yeah, I, I thought, I thought, um, I forget his name now. He's uh, Culkin. So uh, Kieran, Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin. I thought Kieran he Culkin. was great in the final season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, Again, if it would have gone to either of those guys, I would have been happy with it, but I'm happy that he got it because I think he was really good this year. Also, Tom. Tom Wobscam. Wobscam. Yes. St. Paul, Originally, Minnesota's own, yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's from St. Paul in the movie. I didn't realize he was British or Australian. You didn't? Um, oh, no, yeah. I he's British. Know. Yep. He's British. He does such a great American accent, right. and he is such a scumbag so, in that show. They're all scumbags, but like he's like oh, the most he's right. like the most kind of duncy, lovable scumbag of them all. Right. I guess he's the most. You're right. He is sort of duncy, and maybe that's why we tolerate him. But oh my gosh, he's disgusting in that show. They all are, like you said. Yeah. Um, I agree that he should have won. I thought he did a fantastic, fantastic job. Did you see Anatomy of a Fall? No, that's another one that like it was mm-hmm. a bunch of awards and and I I don't even think I'd heard of it yet. Me neither. The author of the screenplay who wrote it, she was French and she came up with a very thick f- accent. She speaks English, of course, and she well not of course, but she spoke English last night. I couldn't really understand because again I'm not that smart, and she had a very thick accent. But I did not see that movie, and it won a bunch of stuff. So I feel like that's got to go on the list. If anybody's seen it, let me know if it's worth it. That and Poor Things, if we should really watch it, or will they scar me for life because they're just like super artsy movies, which I'm not really interested in. And the one, now I forget the name of it too, it won a couple of awards. (laughs) Um, It was one that I had not heard of, and Tim Lammers on Friday was Past Lives. He says Past Lives is fantastic. Really? Uh, And that won a couple of awards last night too. And so that is one we have to absolutely check out, Past Lives. So you know who was passed over? Only Murders in the Building. Yeah, I thought they didn't win enough. Ted Lasso, uh, Ted Lasso yep. didn't win enough. Those were terrific. And I got to be honest, Shrinking was one of my favorite shows yes. this year. And that it was up for one or two. It didn't win anything. And once again, me maybe not really understanding the art of movie or television making, but Beef won a bunch of awards. And Mark and I started Beef. Yeah. And we liked it for a little, but then it got really weird. Like, she started sleeping with the brother of the guy she's got beef with, and she's married. <laughs> it got really weird. And I'm like, I don't think I want to watch this anymore. Is that like and a, then my, based on, like, a road rage incident or something? Correct. Okay. Correct. And then my son was trolling me because he's like, Mom, beef was great. I can't believe you stopped in the middle. And I thought, all right, we might have to revisit that to start it again. But last night... When it won Best Limited Series, the either producer or writer, I think the writer, got up and accepted, and he said that this series is based on an actual true story of him having a road rage incident with somebody. He goes, that person will never know, but he sort of had the idea of, okay, what if there was road rage and everybody took it to the next level? 
And then he wrote the series. So yeah. he said, you know, thank you for the person who I will never know or right. will never know me that inspired this road rage incident, which was so interesting. And I think I need to commit to watching the end of Beef. A couple of texts we're getting here on the uh, WCCO Talk and Text Line, 651-461-9226. Objectively speaking, Barbie was an average movie. Its greatest mm-hmm. award is showing in America. as great at creating a hit before anyone even sees it. Advertising, commerce, social media push, et cetera. Yeah, there's some truth to that, I think. You know, you create a buzz and people want it to live up to the buzz. Uh, Joe Coy, beginning his good-natured barbs too soon, I felt, wanted about three to four minutes of graciousness mixed with commentating on the political historical messages from some of the Hmm. nominated movies and TV shows. Then uh, do barbs about some of the audience, but also this texter saying Lily Gladstone winning Best uh, Actress was Da Bomb. Yeah, she was. Uh, she spoke uh, in um, I forget the language, but uh, it was a Native American language. It was the free, uh, free people uh, or little feet, I okay. believe. The little feet, and that was, I think, one of the best speeches. Of course, she was speaking in another language, but then she obviously talked about how she's the first Native American to win an award like this, and uh, that was beautiful. I have yet to see Killers of the Flower. Moon. Yeah, we're going to watch that. That's a that's a three and a half hour one though. So. Right. That's like you I need watched. To pack a lunch. Yeah, I watched right. Oppenheimer mm-hmm. this weekend, and I did it in two parts. And I'm surprised I got it done in two parts rather than three parts. But uh, obviously, well worth it. But yeah, that's one we definitely will watch. Uh, Is Killers of the Flower Moon on like Netflix yet? Uh, I no, I, I, you can rent it. Do I have to go to the theater? Well, you can uh, rent it on a okay. streaming service, and it, actually, actually, it was a pretty steep rent. Oppenheimer, I rented it for. I think it was like four bucks or five bucks, but oh, I think Killers of the Flower Moon was like close to twenty dollars to rent. So I don't know if that's just timing. If you wait another week, if it'll go down. Mm. Of course, we get our SAG yeah, after right. screeners, and we should be able to get that screener pretty soon, I would think. Okay. One of the perks of the. So unit. it was fun. I had fun watching yeah. the award show. Thank you guys for watching yes. along. Adam and I were texting and uh, either laughing or that's joking fun or to being do. appalled. That's fun to have those yeah. things where you Super text fun. back and forth. Mm-hmm. Football is exactly. like that, too. We always yes. text our commiseration with the Vikings. Their season ended yesterday. Probably not surprising. But lots of work in the offseason. What is going to be uh, the priority for the Vikings? Yes, it's the quarterback. We'll talk to Brian Murphy from Bring Me the News and Purple Insider. Also, we'll talk about that great women's hockey game this weekend in St. Paul. Huge crowd at the XL Energy Center for women's hockey. Pretty cool. Uh, Brian Murphy coming up next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Brian Murphy uh, joins us from Purple Insider. Bring me the news. Vikings lose yesterday to the Detroit Lions in Detroit. Probably not shocking there, putting an end to their season. And um, considering, Brian, what the Vikings went through this season, losing Kirk Cousins, what kind of uh, grade do you give uh, Kevin O'Connell uh, for Going through this season, what what they went through, considering all the changes in quarterback, I think there's de- some definite criticism that you can level towards him. But all in all, I mean, when you lose Kirk Cousins, that pretty much puts an end to that season, does it not? Yeah, I would give him maybe a B minus C plus, and the B minus more on kind of keeping it all together. 
uh, you know, keeping it from completely falling apart after October 29th when Cousins went down for the season. Um, you know, there was no dissension in the locker room. You never had a sense that it was unraveling. Everybody knew it was going to be an unlikely uphill climb to a playoff spot. And there was a burst of energy, of course, with uh, Josh Dobbs and the Pastronaut experience and how dynamic and different and interesting he looked. But, you know, as the NFL is wont to do, everybody's going to regress to the mean. And at, at the quarterback position, you can't be in a position where you're you're starting four different quarterbacks and ex- expect – uh, you know, a playoff level success where I give them the C, maybe even a C minus on is maybe game planning, a little bit of game yeah. management, especially once he got stuck with quarterbacks who probably weren't going to be able to execute uh, the aggressive downfield passing game that cousins could. And that, that O'Connell and, and his offensive coaches, I think felt like, Hey, if we just uh, scheme this up, right. And we get these, we can put these inexperienced underdeveloped, and frankly, mediocre quarterbacks in a position to succeed. It didn't work a lot. Um, you know, Nick Mullins had a lot of production, a lot of turnovers. Yeah, Dobbs had his moments. Jaron Hall had his. It just wasn't. Uh, it just wasn't going to work. So I give him, you know, passing grades because of what he was able to to maintain. Um, but I'm sure he's got some self reflection and some some evaluation he's going to do on what he could have done better as well. So a disappointing season, um, but not one that was unexpected yeah. considering what happened in late October. And back to the, you know, the, the criticisms of him. I, I remember talking to you, you know, when the Dobbs phenomenon, when we were all, you know, Oh my gosh, this guy could be the answer. And, you know, you reflect on it while well, he had played for a bunch of different teams, but I, I think there's some fair criticism in the game. Like you mentioned, the game planning when he was quarterback, he's got kind of that, thing that you can't really predict but you can and I remember asking you about it well do you rewrite the playbook for this guy in a way it's hard to do mid-season I feel like they didn't do enough to showcase his talents as as in the second two to the third and fourth start he made I think that's a fair point and I think uh, O'Connell may have tacitly acknowledged that uh, throughout the season and if he didn't he's probably going to realize that as he as he self-assesses going into this offseason there are there were circumstances where, you know, what made Dobbs successful in that brief two-game window was his improvising and his ability to make things happen outside of the pocket. That's not how the Vikings' game plan is basically set up. I mean, that's not how it was designed uh, for Kirk Cousins because he's a pocket passer. So I think they were maybe a little bit reluctant to, to give Dobbs free reign because he was still absorbing the playbook and, and scheme and personnel and names in this first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, it did seem like, though, that he they, they probably expected more from him than he was capable of delivering, and it might have been too late to reverse course on that. Again, these are all things that are not in a handbook for a head coach, right? You don't go into a season thinking, I'm going to start four different quarterbacks. I'm going to lose my superstar receiver for eight games in the middle of that season. I'm going to start 0-3 and 1-4. and I mean, even before they lost Cousins, this season you could argue was lost by mid-October because of that wretched start and the turnovers, which there's only so much coaching can do about the turnovers. But the Vikings were terrible in the takeaway-giveaway <laughs> ratio from week one on, and that plagued them. So you can point to a lot of different things. Uh, you know, the defense was 
excellent at times, especially during that midseason stretch. But there's a plenty of holes on that side of the ball, and you got a defensive coordinator in Brian Flores. We're not even sure he'll be back. He may be back. We're not sure. They've got a lot of holes in that roster that go beyond just quarterback. And this is going to be one of those off seasons that are probably going to define the franchise for the next five years. If you could guess who would be the perfect quarterback or who is going to be the perfect quarterback, is it going to be Kirk? Are we going to get somebody new? Uh, who would you like to see, Brian? I think there's a. this is going to be fascinating to watch in the next couple of months because there are great arguments to be made from a pure practical and schematic and offensive standpoint to bring Kirk Cousins back. Uh, he's familiar with Kevin O'Connell. He was, you know, maybe heading into an MVP-type conversation yep. earlier this season. The big problem is he's going to be 36 in training camp. He's coming off a major injury and surgery. But more than that, he's going to cost the Vikings some serious money, 35 to $40 million, it sounds like. Is he going to be willing to take a below-market deal? I doubt it. He's got maximum leverage as he always has. Um, is he going to? Would he be willing to take a two-year deal if the Vikings were to draft somebody at number ten or eleven, wherever they're at in the pick, uh, and develop a quarterback underneath them? Maybe not if there's three or four years and more money on the table elsewhere. So, I, you know, it may not even come down to what the Vikings want. It's going to ultimately come down to what Kirk Cousins wants. And you can make mm-hmm. a viable argument that it's time to start over fresh with a top 10, top 12 draft pick and a quarterback, maybe even move up in the draft to get one of those coveted picks, develop him and rebuild over the next couple of years. Again, how are you going to package that? How are you going to sell that to the fan base? All of these arguments can all be made in a viable sense. But I think it's really just going to come down to dollars and cents because you've got to re-sign Justin Jefferson. Yep. You've got Daniil Hunter on, de- on the defensive side that you want to re-sign maybe, and you've got a ton of holes to fill on the defensive side that may make it cost prohibitive to even bring back Cousins if you want him. Uh, on that note, on Justin Jefferson, again, proving how valuable he is, what an asset he is, and you're going to have to convince him, too, that there's going to be somebody throwing him the ball. But even with substandard quarterbacking, again, he proves he is worth every penny and is going to get a huge payday. He is going to get a huge payday, and it's probably good for him that uh, maybe they, they didn't come to a deal back in August when it's, they were negotiating a long-term extension because you're right, I think he proved his value even more. Now, you can make the argument, well, he missed seven, eight games. I think he missed seven games with that hamstring yep. injury, and the Vikings were 5-2 and two without him. Yeah, okay, but I don't think there's any argument could be made that the Vikings are a better team without Justin <laughs> no. Jefferson. So, you know, he's going to get paid, as he should get paid. Now, it should also be noted, too, that the Vikings do have options with him. He's not able to walk away as a free agent as Daniil Hunter and um, uh, Kirk Cousins are the the Vikings do have an opportunity to maybe franchise tag him still retain his rights that's a dicey thing to do because you don't want to be looking at your franchise superstar wide receiver and cutting him off at the knees uh in negotiations with that kind of move so that could be delicate but it's not as if you know they're they're in danger of losing him and you also make the, the point too I think he would like to have Cousins back I think he feels really comfortable with Kirk Cousins um but he was smart yesterday and not laying down that ultimatum, at least publicly. Um, I don't know how much impact he's going to have in the front office's quarterback decision. 
I think it's important to consider his his wishes, but ultimately it's going to be a financial decision. And I think Justin Jefferson should be smart enough to know that if he's going to get his pot of gold, uh, it may lessen the amount of gold that they're going to be able to give to the quarterback who's going to be throwing to him. So a lot of interesting decisions that have to be made, egos that need to be um, massaged. But from all indications, it doesn't appear, at least publicly, that Justin Jefferson is in any position to to dictate who's going to throw to him, and it, it, he hasn't expressed any disappointment, even with the uh, the backups that were throwing to him in the last two months, um, that he's not happy in Minnesota. Uh, draft the draft class of quarterbacks. Um, what do we know about uh, some possibilities there, and whether or not the Vikings would make a move to try to, as you mentioned earlier, even try to move up to get in those top ten spots. Well, it's, it's, it's strong. I, I don't have all the names in front of me, but I know what I've read is that, it, you know, it's a considerably strong draft class. But what, what I think is going to, you know, obviously they're going to make a decision on Cousins by March. Yep. Uh, so that dictates, you know, whether you want to move up, whether you want to stay comfortable where you're at, whether you're even going to take a quarterback with that first pick. Because are you looking at developing somebody behind Cousins for a couple of years? a la the Jordan Love-Aaron Rodgers scenario where you take the baton and move on from the veteran in a couple of years? Or do you start fresh uh, with a rookie and say, look, there's going to be some growing pains, but we feel confident this guy's going to be our, our franchise future? I think what, what we've seen over the last couple of weeks that, that is going to impact this even more is the liabilities on defense. I think what Brian Flores was able to do um, with sort of a hybrid unit of uh, putting guys in positions, some lower-round picks, undrafted guys, uh, journeymen, as it were, putting them in positions to succeed. It worked for a, a period of time, but because of the offensive struggles, because the defense ended up on the field so long, they were exposed toward the end. So how much are you going to want to invest on the defensive side of the ball? they got a pretty good un- a core group at their tackle positions, Brian O'Neill, Christian Derrissaw, who, by the way, is up for a contract uh, extension as well. Uh, your wide receiver is, is pretty much set there with Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson is going to be coming back from knee surgery. But you've got a pretty solid core in your passing attack. What do you want to invest in your defense? Is that something you want to draft and develop? Because Quasi Adolfo Mensa's initial defensive picks in the high rounds have not panned out very well, and he's got some uh, – accountability on that part to uh to seek but i I, so it it's it's a lot of different pieces of the puzzle it's going to depend on where they ultimately want to pick what they're going to do with cousins and how much they need to invest on the defensive side of the ball is probably going to determine what they're going to do with that number one pick let's talk hockey minnesota women's professional hockey team had their home opener in front of an enormous crowd I was 13,000 fans. Were you surprised that there were so many fans there? And also, they did great. They won. Um, but this is exciting. I, I, you know, I don't want to say I was surprised because, I mean, this is the, the cradle of hockey, right? Certainly American hockey and even women's hockey. I mean, you can make the argument this is where it all began. So I'm not exactly shocked that they had 13,000 plus. I'd be interested to see what the next, Right, home games are going to bring as well that aren't on a Saturday afternoon with all the fanfare. I'm sure that number is going to drop a bit. But yeah, by all accounts, I mean, it was a great atmosphere. You know, a shutout victory at home, um, a, an opportunity for a lot of local uh, women who have forged great success overseas, either, well, either at 
University of Minnesota or Minnesota Duluth or uh, some of the various other schools, but also the, the success that they've had, world championships, Olympic games. I mean, you read some of the post-game comments. I mean, this was as big a thrill for them and their families as going over and playing in the Olympics simply because, you know, it's a milestone, it's professional, it's successful, it looks like they've got, you know, they're not overreaching. There's six teams, traditional hockey markets, they're starting small, building, putting yourselves in a position to grow. Look, the product is what is good enough now to attract paying fans and, and television eyeballs. The question is, do you sustain that success gradually and increase from 6 to 8 to 10? Do you try to double? Do you try to go into non-traditional markets? Those are going to be decisions that the bean counters are going to have to make, but it's important. If you look at the, you know, the failures of a lot of professional sports leagues, male or female, there's a lot of overreach at times. Yeah. And when the initial funding and the initial excitement wears off, uh, you, you find yourself in a new reality. So, But as far as the kickoff goes, and especially in this market, you couldn't have asked for a better uh, debut than Saturday at, oh, at yeah. Excel. And the, mm-hmm. the bar stool test. I was at a bar on Saturday, and there was people who requested, wanted the TVs changed to that game. So that, uh, oh, anecdotally, nice. I mean, that's, it, it worked. Well, um, I love that. What's that? Mm-hmm. I said that matters. That does matter. Yeah, Absolutely. Does. Murph, thanks. Uh, we'll uh, continue to read you and uh, bring me the news and Purple Insider, and I uh, appreciate the time. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Yep. Brian Murphy. Uh, it is. I'm so glad you said that. I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm glad people are aware of it, even at bars. And the fact also that it was, you know, broadcast on regular television or yep. a sports channel that they could see it. I, Valley, I love Valley that there was that. Yep. C- that yeah, that there was that kind of support. You know, we are the state of hockey, so we should be supporting um, but all kind of hockey. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely, we'll see. Again, that's a big question. Does it continue now uh, for throughout the season? Um, Nine forty nine. Why anybody would want to get on like a seven thirty seven max is beyond me. And uh, now you can't get on them because they're parked. But we'll uh, cover that uh, crazy, scary story next on CCO. 953, that is your Lindus Construction time check. Time to get 50% off installation labor on Infinity from Marvin Windows. This is one of those stories that actually TikTok is where I first saw it. And I Uh-oh. I saw a video of a plane with a big hole in the side <laughs> in the air. And I'm like, well, when, when did this happen? Then I realized it happened this weekend. Mm-hmm. This Alaska mm-hmm. Airlines flight takes off from Portland on its way to California. And basically a chunk of the uh, fuselage just fell off so there's this big gaping hole in the plane and people are just next to a seat next to a seat sitting there thankfully that seat right next to the hole was unoccupied thank otherwise oh my god could you imagine that so like the plane is like sixteen thousand feet in the air flies off they have to circle thankfully lands safely but now they're saying that this plane in question this is an alaskan airlines 737 max 9 plane now they've grounded all of those 737 maxes which they did initially when they first started because of two fatal crashes. But this particular plane had an issue with like a warning light, a pressurization light, and Alaska Airlines had restricted that flight, that plane's use on long-haul flights. So Alaska Airlines probably has some questions to answer here. But probably the, the headline I saw today that's probably more amazing than anything is that somebody's iPhone fell out of that plane when the hole opened up and the iPhone was like unscathed, fell 16,000 feet, and they found the iPhone and it still works. 
that's in first of all a testament to iphone that yeah. should definitely be used in their next commercial if they're doing <laughs> any kind of ads but i'll tell you this the day before this happened my son got off an alaska airlines yeah. flight he was coming back from visiting a friend in hawaii and it's the first time we've flown alaska airlines and i didn't show him the story because i was like that theoretically could have been the plane the plane he just got off and i think it would have scarred him because that is horrifying i mean adam it was on ascent, right? So they were about 16,000 feet yep, in the air. After takeoff, yep. So it's probably fun. As this happens, I don't know that I would ever be able to get on a oh. plane again. It is extraordinary that nobody was sucked out. And Alaska Airlines said, well, everybody was wearing their seatbelts. Boy, if this is not a public service yeah. announcement for wearing your seatbelt tightly yeah. across your chest, make sure your kid or your dog is where they're supposed to be because this was unbelievably terrifying and what it first of all it's a testament to technology that nobody did die and that the plane didn't crash or break so, up too at least you know like break right. that it too you know you lot, a lot a lot of times you see a lot of times but when it's happened like if you get a hole in the fuselage it causes the whole pr- plane to break up so at least that didn't happen and but how close are we how, after this happened, don't you think, okay, how close are we every time we fly to something like this going horribly awry? I don't bring that up because I've, I've gotten over, I've finally conquered my fear of flying. But if, like yeah, you said, okay. if this happens on a flight you're on, okay. I'm like my... Never. I, well, I'll, I'll say this, but again, this is more problems we've had with this 737 MAX. Remember when it first came out, two of them crashed right away and they stopped production and they halted them. Mm-hmm. And I notice now, like when I book, when I trips i'm i always because i i love like planes and i love the theory of aviation and there are certain planes i like to fly in but i'm always looking as to what kind of plane it is and i'll be honest with you when i see 737 max i'm like a little hesitant and now i'm even more hesitant uh, than i was before don't blame you for one second uh we got quick takes coming up uh, after the news dj uh what do you got on tap for us coming up here sorry i had to start the music first we got oh, too many things yeah, going sure. on over here. Uh, hey, the uh, Grandma's Marathon sold out already in near record time. And an all-women city council in St. Paul was yeah. sworn in. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about both of those young coming women, up in quick takes. Two lot young women on that city council. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.